Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Weekender Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at nreionline.com. Let's jump right into this week's top news, features, and blog posts. Welcome to the NREI Weekender with your host, David Bodermer. You know what? Normally, we're going to dive into the week's top stories, but we're going to start a series here, and that's really about the NREI Research Series. And this week specifically is going to be, David's going to be sharing information from the research they've done on the multifamily sector. Good afternoon, David. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Fantastic. I'm, I'm here to learn, man. I don't know much about this, so I'm, uh, I'm excited. So tell me, why are, we, why are we delving into this research? Why is this so important? So this is something that we started doing about six years ago and have built out as a platform. We have, you know, an audience of, of tens of thousands of professionals and experts in the, the commercial real estate sector that we're trying to tap into. So basically on a number of different topics, we do proprietary research mm -hmm. uh, where we're trying to figure out where the markets are at when it comes to different property sectors. Some of our studies are more are, are, are topical instead or, or look at different uh, what's going on with financing or what's going on with specific kinds of investment trend, uh, investor classes. Mm -hmm. um, but this is this is the one that started it all for us when we started the series, and it is the, the multifamily research. So this is specifically the sixth year we've done this. And for us, I think it's a, it's a helpful way to check what's going on in the market to see how sentiments have shifted year over year when it comes to the key fundamentals in the industry, basically to inform to figure out what investors are doing and what, what they may want to do mm -hmm. based on what they're seeing in the marketplace when it comes to finance, you know, what, what the finance, the capital markets look like for the multifamily sector, what the development uh, activity may look like, what might be happening with, with leasing occupancy mm -hmm. rates and rents, you know, those sorts of things. So that's, you know, it, it, it's an attempt to sort of touch on that and, and provide some insight into the industry that's that's different from like our day-to-day our -day news coverage where we're more just like interviewing what's happening in the space. This, yeah. this is this is something this is a more research-based thing that we do. Yeah. The, the the news story is very, very honed in, very specific, where the research is going to be a, a broader spectrum of of information, which I think is great. And you said you've done this for six years, right? That's um, correct. So what is the major takeaways from this year's research? So so one takeaway, you know, multifamily is the strongest of all the sectors. It's it, it's always the one that that investors want to want to be buying. It's generally considered stable, and the findings this year are consistent with that. That that mm -hmm. overall, going through when we drill down into each of the kind of um, areas, what we'll see is that generally it's positive to stable on 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 all aspects. People like think that. There's not much sense of that, that things have gotten overheated. Mm -hmm. People aren't too worried about overdevelopment, and when it comes to, to you know, and, and when it comes to to investment and cap rates, there's also it's pre, it's pretty it's in a pretty good shape. Yeah, so nobody's running for the hills yet buying pet rocks as an investment or anything like that. They're, exactly. they're still still pretty happy, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so what's what is the outlook for investments for? I mean, if you, if you can uh, at all speculate or, or think about that. What's the outlook uh, according to the research? So when it comes specifically to you know investment, what we are seeing or what, what, what the respondents are saying is they expect that cap rates specifically will increase, but the sentiment on that has moderated quite a bit. Whereas in the past couple of years, 
there was just given that people saw, thought interest rate, you know, in a rising interest rate environments, cap rates tend to also rise. Now we've gone through a long period of those interest rate hikes. There's less, less expectation that interest rates are going to go up. So in concert with that, along with, I think, the fact that people think that the sector is pretty safe, now only about half of the respondents think that cap rates are going to rise in the next 12 months. Instead, more like 30% think there'll be no change, and even about a fifth think that cap rates may decrease, mm-hmm. which, you know, which, which hasn't been something that we've seen in a while. So whereas like a year ago, it was more like 70% where we're saying that cap rates are going to go up. Now this year, we're more like 50%. So it's a pretty big swing when it comes to expectations on cap rates. Similarly, when we asked in, in terms of investment, we asked them, you know, whether they plan to buy, hold or sell, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, you know, what, what, you know, since, since we are talking to investors and we do ask for people that are specifically invested in multifamily. So what are you going to do? And what we found this year is that the number of the percentage of people that said they're going to, they want to hold was 40, 47%, nearly half of respondents. That's actually the highest number, the highest percentage we've had um, say that in the, six really? years, the survey. Cause in, in the past years, it's been more bullish towards like, we want to buy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, like, like there was much more sentiment, like, it, like you go back to our first survey, 55% of people were like, we want to buy uh, only a third were saying hold and only uh, about 10% that they wanted to sell. I think that's so, so basically I think what that speaks to is that people like multifamily, they want to hold what they have, not necessarily be as aggressive buying. Although overall the sentiment towards buying was still about 40% and then, only about 15% say they want to sell. So hmm. I think when you kind of put that all together, that, you know, 85% combined say they either either want to hold or buy, but only, but m- most of that is hold as opposed to, to buy. So I think what that means to me is that people like the sector, they want to hold their assets. They're not necessarily looking to buy a bunch more multifamily. And, and that's that brings up the next question is, if they're not looking to buy, do you think there's a slowdown? Do you think occupancy rates, are they going down? Is it is it a concern that... I, I like what I have now. I'm good. I'm safe, but I don't want to stretch myself or, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it could be, you know, that it does potentially dovetail to what people think may be happening with fundamentals like, like occupancy rates. So specifically, you know, we, we, you know that the, that's one of the areas we ask about. This year, about half of respondents said they expect occupancy rates in multifamily to rise. Oh, really? So, yeah, so so they're expecting, um, you know, they they are expecting occupancies to go up, at least half, you know. But then that means the other half me thinks they're going to deg- decrease or or no change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's 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 these are always like complicated sentiments to break down a little bit because it's yeah. not like ninety percent of people think it's going to go, it's going to get better. It's more like all right, fifty percent think you know half of them think okay, we're going to have fuller properties. Another. But then another 20% think their occupancies are going to go down and another quarter quarter think no change. So to me, that adds up to, to you know, that's not the most bullish sentiment we could po- you could possibly have. It's not like everybody's like, you know, things are great. Supply is great. Occupancies, you know, we still have rent, you know, we're going to go from 95% to 96% occupancy. They may also speak to that, you know, we're asking at a national level 
And obviously real estate is always a local business. So it also could be a reflection that in some, there are, there's softness in some markets and uh, not others. So somebody, you know, in a, in a softer market may, you know, maybe telling us it's going to decrease, whereas somebody in a stronger market telling us it's going to increase. So there's one sort of piece of context to think about with these answers as well. Yeah, but that's It seems a little odd. I mean, yeah. quite honestly, I don't mean to cut you off, but it seems a little odd if, if half of the people think that occupancy is going to go up and then even another quarter of them think it's going to stay level, that the the trend this year flipped from the previous five years. And it's more of like, oh, I'm going to hold, I don't want to invest more. If, if it seems like a, a decent part of the percentage says, yeah, I think occupancy would go up. You'd think there'd be a, an opportune time to get something if, if they're going to be able to fill it. Uh, but then again, I, you know, who knows? I mean, like you said, it's different parts of the country that, that completely could skew the, you know, skew the numbers in, in one way or another, depending on the local area. Um, right. But speaking to the overall, I know this research goes out everywhere. Does any of the research really address how the market feels about how much development is occurring? Does it, does it reflect that or show that at all? Yeah, we, we, that, that is another question we ask since an experience in a lot of previous real estate cycles, is always overdevelopment. You get to the point where people are building too much, mm-hmm. too much supply, suddenly too much vacancy, drives down rents, you know, not fun for everybody. It's always interesting to see how conscious the market is of, of the potential risk of overdevelopment. So in this year's survey, and, and, I, and so on this front, there's, I think there's good news because uh, only, you know, while that sentiment is out there, it's only 35% of respondents said that they think there is too much development happening. Mm. Last year, for context, that number was 43%. So we've never had it be more than half of respondents in the, in the years that we've been doing saying that they think overdevelopment is occurring, but we had seen that number go up a, a bit in, in some of the years, and, and this year it came back down. Um, conversely, 38% then say that the right amount is occurring and even 15% say that too little is occurring. And then, you know, there's a, there's a chunk that say they don't know. But the, ma- the major takeaway is that in terms of being a, a proxy for concerns about overdevelopment, the concerns have dropped a bit from the, where they were a year ago. So I think that's, that to me is a, is a positive takeaway from this year's numbers. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, development, occupancy, everything goes hand in hand, leading right to my next question. What about rents? You know, how, how are they? How are they doing? Are they sustaining? Are they having to be? Are they going down? Are they going up? Uh, what's the trend going on? So on, on rents, again, sentiment got more positive than it was a year ago. This is one. You know, looking through the entire history of the survey, every you know, rents have been going up consistently every single year, and the people that expect them to go up in the next twelve months has always been like 80, seventy to eighty percent of respondents. I've said that in, in, in most of the years that they expect they expected rents to continue to rise. Mm-hmm. We would usually get like fewer than 10% saying that we expect that they expected rents to decrease. So always a, there, there's, there's been a consistent expectation that looking forward over the next year that rents are going to go up. But then a year ago, it was only uh, two thirds of respondents said they were going to increase. So as opposed to previous years where it had been 75%, 80%. So while 67% is still, you know, pretty strong sentiment that uh, rents were rising, it did seem like potentially this would, there might be some softening. Mm-hmm. The good news is then now in this year's survey, the number went back up again, back to over 70% of respondents saying they expect rents to increase in the 12 months. So I think it dovetails with the previous answer. 
that they had about development. Concerns about overdevelopment have gone down. Concerns about rents possibly flatlining or falling have also gone down. So, but on both of those issues, in terms of the fundamentals of the sector, it's 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 there's more bullishness than there was a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so, combine occupancy rates, development, rents. You know, that's gives you the a sense of what people think of the income stream of the property is going to be that then should give them a pretty positive feeling in terms of the outlook for, for investing in the sector. Yeah. And shifting gears just slightly here. What, and again, I know that you guys do a tremendous amount of research and you do fantastic work. I know a lot of people count on it. So what's the state of the capital markets for the multifamily sector? That's, that's, the other piece when it comes to investment is, you know, how you may want to invest in the sector, but how are your capital sources? Are are, mm-hmm. are the lenders, are the equity providers, are they willing to also, are, do they share that outlook on the sector? So the the news on this front was is also, is also good. Overall, people are reporting that the availability of, of debt and equity has not dramatically changed very much from a year ago. So those capital sources are still out there. And in fact, even for, you know, so, so about 50% of respondents uh, for both debt and equity say that the amount of capital available is, is the same as it was a year ago. So um, people are not pulling back. And in, in addition, another about quarter of respondents said that the amount of capital has actually gone up. So um, I think, look at those two together. That's about two thirds of respond. I mean, sorry, that's about three fourths of respondents that say, you know, the amount of financing or the amount of equity is the same or greater than it was a year ago mm-hmm. when it comes to targeting the sector. So I think that adds up to a pretty good picture when it comes to to the capital markets. Yeah. And, and you alluded to this earlier in the podcast. You kind of give us a sneak peek of this. But I, I want to know if you could kind of expand on a little bit. Where does multifamily investments sit relative to other commercial property types. Right. So this is um, something we consistently ask, you know, just to, we ask this in a lot of the different surveys for people to rate the the attractiveness of each of the sectors mm-hmm. on a scale. We, we give them a scale of one to 10. Then we, we ask about just the major ones. So it's multifamily, hotels, office, retail, and industrial. In recent years, you know, multifamily used to be far and away number one. Usually, like on a getting, you know, on a, on a scale of ten, usually about an eight. The past couple of years, industrial kind of rose the ranks and was pretty much neck and neck with. And, and in some, mm. in some of our, some of the surveys that we asked, of course, the year has even occasionally topped multifamily. In this particular survey, multifamily was the top spot again, just barely edging industrial. And then those two are kind of head and shoulders above the other three sectors. Both of those are, again, between seven and eight on a scale of 10. People right now, we give hotels and offices about a, about a six on a scale of 10. Uh, that's been pretty stable. We'll look, looking back over the whole lifetime of us doing these, those are, you know, usually those sectors are between like a six and a seven. Retail is down below a five. So that's, and that's bottomed out. It's reflects, but it's not surprising just given, you know, with the challenges and the, and the transformation that's happening in the retail sector. So it's, it makes sense that it's not seen as being nearly as attractive as, as the, as the other sectors and definitely way behind multifamily. 
Yeah. All right. That, that makes sense. Um, especially with all the research you guys have done, is there any other takeaways that we need to know about this research or the audience needs to know anything else that we need to, to hear about today? Yeah, actually I was thinking, um, back in regards to capital markets, there, there was another, there is an, a big shift on, on a couple of the questions, um, that I didn't talk about earlier. Mm-hmm. One of the things we ask is how readers, how they, how they expect different aspects of financing for the sector to change o- over the coming year. And that includes things like, you know, loan to value ratios, mm-hmm. uh, debt service coverage, uh, interest rates, and um, the risk premium, which is generally the the spread between 10-year treasuries and the cap rates in a specific sector. A way to capture how much risk is inherent in investing mm-hmm. in this versus, you know, buying a, a, a stable bond. Some of those numbers shifted quite a bit. And I think it again, it, it and, and again, it makes sense, but it's it's all relative to what's happened with interest rates. For years and years, everybody, you know, we were in a the the low interest record low interest rate environment. Then, so everyone like had building expectations that interest rates would go up. So, and then, but now they have gone up. So, you know, for so I think for a while it wasn't a particularly interesting question because. Every year we had asked, do you expect interest rates to go up? And 90% of people, literally 90% of people were like, yes, of course, they're <laughs> going to go up because they're at like zero. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, now I think the question becomes more has become more useful because now we've gone through those interest rates going up. So now, now it becomes a question of do you, you know, how much more are they going to go up? And now you start to see a, a real, some real uncertainty in the market around that. Mm-hmm. So, so whereas... In the past, we're looking at, you know, everybody's expecting to go up. Now, I think there's sort of a mixed, there's like literally, a, there's a, a split in the market as to where people think they're going to go. So 45%, only 45% now think they're going to keep going up. Another 45% think we're done with the interest rate hikes and they're going to be flat. And now even 10% think we may start to see interest rates go down again, which for in past years, it was more like 90% think they're going to go up, 10% think they're flat, and like nobody, nobody. thinks <laughs> they're at 0%, they're not, or whatever, effectively yeah. 0%. Nobody thinks they're going to go down. So, you know, I think that could then relate to when we were looking at why would people want to hold, in addition to the, the fundamentals, it's this, okay, if you don't really know where interest rates are going, um, which it seems like there's less certainty in the marketplace about around it, then you may want to just stand pat on investment until you have a better read on it because it's going to mm-hmm. affect, you know, your future investment in terms of that other category, the, the risk premium, whether they think the spread between cap rates and what you would pay for treasuries uh, where that's going in the past, a lot of people expected that to increase that, that, that measure of risk to increase uh, that's narrowed a bit. So uh, only 40% think the rest that, that the risk premium may be going up this year, whereas opposed to past years, it was like more like 50%. And instead, a lot more people expect stability on the, in that metric. The other two, the, the, the LTV ratios and the debt service coverage ratios, which are dictating how much you know, the, the, the financing terms there, people expect some, st- like there's a, there's pretty large consensus that that's not going to move very much. So your financing terms, your financing terms might not change and how much you're, you're, you're meant to allow to borrow and how, you know, what your debt service coverage ratio, those may not shift, but the, you know, the, the variables may be the come down to interest rates, which then will then have a, a knock on effect on uh, investment itself. Mm-hmm. 
David, if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're thinking, man, I'd, I'd really like to get a hold of that research. I'd like to kind of read what they did and, and go through it, just kind of see some of those percentages for myself. Is there a way that somebody can access that? Absolutely. The, the, the full report will be posted uh, shortly to our website, nreionline.com. We have a whole section of the website um, dedicated to the research series. They can find, they'll be able to find this year's report, which will include all these charts with the year-over-year comparisons. And as well, they'll be able to find all our other research reports that, we've, that we do throughout the course of the year. So that, that's, that's where they can find out more. Fantastic. And I, I look forward to doing more of this series on this podcast, along with all the weekly news that you're bringing us. And, and I appreciate your time again today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for uh, helping to talk me through the report. It's a lot to unpack. Yeah, it sounds like there's a ton of research that goes into it or a ton of time that goes into it. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And thank you all for listening to the NREI Weekender with your host, David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at the NREI Weekender, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back next week for all the news that matters to you. See you soon. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of NERI Informa. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 